Smartcast. We're all committing to get in better shape this summer. Uh, finally, Nina has an attempt, uh, an impression of me. I don't, I don't get it. It's not, it doesn't sound like me. Um, I don't know much about music like you buy coastal elites. So this year I bought a lottery ticket, matched the numbers to letters of the alphabet. It spelled out an artist and it hit me lyrically. What do you guys think? <laughs> Such a great joke. Such an amazingly good joke. <laughs> 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys. Uh, it's no longer California weather, but uh, it's sunny at least, but it's cold. Ben in uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains slash Great Smokies, we're at 81, big puffy clouds, just beautiful weather here. Very, very nice. I am here on the Slovenian-Italian border okay. in the wine country, and uh, it's a brisk 53 with a hard driving rain here. So it's been a little oh tough. Oh my God. It's been a little wow. tough. Oh, yeah, for sure. Huh. Okay. Well, good uh, Good for the grapes, maybe. I guess. Yeah, yeah totally. Sure. sure. Um, Jeff Simons, you got my email from the yes. top rope. Hit it. Oh. Coming up. People lie had a woman. She was just nice and kind to me in most of a way. Lord, I had a woman. She was just nice and kind to me in most of a way. But she died and she left me. That's why I sang the blues on every decoration day. Thank you, John Lee Hooker, for capturing my mood, my emotions this weekend. This is a really awkward way to tell us something happened to Robot Lady. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> FYI, Robot Lady is fine. But yesterday was graduation day at Asheville School. So I sat, I walked around, instead of singing decoration day, I was singing, I had a student every graduation day. It's a sad <laughs> day. All the students say goodbye. Do you not that's, a, a that's nice of you that it's a sad day that you made those connections. Yeah. I don't think every teacher feels that way about graduation day, I'll be honest. Well, I will also say that it's a reflection on my own mortality because it's the day they no longer need me <laughs> and they move on. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Are you sure you have the semicolon down? Yeah, I got the semicolon. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, see, that's really funny. I uh, obviously I missed law school graduation this year. Right. But one of my absolute favorite things about our collective jobs is the butterfly cycle. You know, you get to see yeah. the... the 
caterpillar larvae stage and then into the butterfly and then they fly off like it's just yeah. fantastic yeah it is. Um, and it renews every year there's a new crop next year so you know tim if you feel bad now don't worry there'll be more next in the fall oh 100 percent. and then i look at that seat and there's some kids sitting in like scarlet dewey seat or like yeah well what are you doing who are you i don't know you um plus it was also emotional because yesterday my daughter graduated from How about that. School. Way to go. So that's yeah, that's a big good, one. And Jeff, you're job. seeing that too, huh? I'm coming what? up June 7th. June the, 7th uh, of yours? Yep. It's weird, man. I mean, how many graduations have we gone through over the years? And then all of a sudden 31. It's, it's I've gone your... to 31 high school graduations, okay, not I including my own. I, I didn't know we have this number ready. I'm just saying it's it's a little strange when you have that personal investment uh, on that day. A little weird. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. We got grandparents flying in. We're making a whole to-do out of it. Yep. Well, Ben, oh. ben should have given us notes on how to handle these things. That's, that's what he's here for, to lead us into <laughs> this next phase of our lives. Okay. Um, I'm just going to be silent here. Silent. <laughs> kind of like how you were with graduation. Um, all right. Well, let's get to, uh, oh, uh, the podcast name. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys <laughs> here waxing nostalgic. But we're really going to unpack the year 2014. This year in music, figure out which was our favorite album from the year. But first things first, Jeff Simons. The Grammy uh, uh, voters had their say. Um, I was going to ask, what network are we on, Tim, on this fine podcast? Oh, good call. It's the Electrocast Podcast Network. Go to electrocast.com for all your podcasting needs. We're on the Creators Network. That's right. Uh, of the Electrocast Network. Okay, okay, here we go. Grammy winning music. It's the Grammy winner. Morning Phase by Beck. upon the quiet street we're standing on is it time to go away try again some other day these are words we use to say goodbye these are words I feel like I owe Beck an apology because I have not followed his career as, as I should have, because you picked a sea change a few years ago. I did. And then Ben talked about the, was it like the, the more upbeat disco album that followed something about a van. I don't know. What do you think of this record? Guero, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Remind me the name of this record. This is Morning Phase. Oh, I like this one. You didn't, didn't like this one. It didn't stay with me. I really thought it was like Sea Change Part 2 and not as good. And it might just be me that uh, Sea Change came out when my first marriage was falling apart. And so I was like, this 
fits pretty well. Yeah. And then this came out when I was really happily married and had a one and a half year old cute daughter. And I was like, <laughs> I don't really feel this record. <laughs> so, it's oh, yeah, no, just- man, dude, the thing that's really funny about it is dude, those two albums are interchangeable to me. They're slow and in spots kind of boring. I mean, that was how I felt about Sea Change. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, so, so just a great, great moment where uh, you're you're at a particular moment to receive art. Oh, dude! Totally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the fact that you uh, that this this one didn't resonate with you. Um, I can't believe this one album of the year, though. Good lord! Me too. I just can't even. That's... It's shocking. Like, why, 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 why? I had I remember though. This came out, and like, there were definitely people who were like, "This is the best record I've ever heard," and wow. lo and behold. They were going through something like, I mean, like the three or four people I could think of that I know that thought this was the best record of the year went through like seismic uh, sea change themselves. So I guess wow. Beck makes a record every decade for people whose lives are about to have a profound shift. <laughs> nice of him. Really nice of him. That's why you haven't resonated, Timmy. You've just been like cooking along the happiest guy I know, like. Well, maybe, making kids and making memories and maybe this graduation like, day maybe that's what <laughs> he's gonna beck's gonna put out a a john lee hooker covers album. there we go be great. you'll be all set all right well let's see what's happening in 2014 see how your your memories work here gentlemen does anyone remember the world cup in 2014 uh in, specifically i'm thinking of a semi-final match between germany and brazil Oh, is this the year that uh, Germany went up like six nothing in the semifinal yeah. and the whole Brazilian nation was sobbing on television? Oh, it was so awful. So I, <laughs> the Megan band was in Tiny Telephone recording that day. We were recording the Running on Machinery record. Uh-huh. And half the band were soccer fans and half the band were like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? And so we had it on a phone in the... Um, you know, like the little green room and we right, would like right. do a couple of takes and then somebody would run out. And every time uh, Kyle came back in, he was like, it's five, nothing. It's six, <laughs> nothing. We're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I, that's my memory of that game. I actually didn't see it. I just heard it happen to Brazil. Brazil was hosting the world cup and they lost seven to one to Germany. And I was rooting for Germany, but it, it was it was like that fight in Cool Hand Luke where I was like, somebody ought to stop this. this is- you know, it's so funny you say that rooting for Germany. I remember I was in uh, I was in Croatia when Brazil played Germany in 2000 in the World Cup final. Uh-huh. And I was in a bar and people were like who I was like, who are you all rooting for? And it's like they're like, are you kidding? No one who's not German roots for Germany. Do you remember <laughs> World War Two? He's like, if you're not German, you don't root for Germany. Like, that's the one rule of the earth. So it's so funny to hear you say you're rooting for Germany because uh, I was told very specifically by some drunk Croatians that you are not allowed to do that. Wow. Um, all right. Let's see. In 2014, uh, 50 Cent threw out a first pitch at a baseball game. Ben, do you remember that pitch? <laughs> I have no recollection. Hopefully a Yankee game, though, huh? Um, it was not, it was not well done by 50 cent. It's so bad, Ben. You got to YouTube that when you get back to America, it's, it's amazing. Remarkable. He almost threw it behind himself. I mean, it's just <laughs> phenomenal. Um, Jay-Z gets, uh, punched up a little bit on an elevator by Beyonce's sister. 
Ben, do you know what that was all about? Uh, I believe that JC might have had a wandering eye. Yes, no, and Solange does not fuck around at all. So there you go. <laughs> um, Todd Gurley suspended for four games uh, as the University of Georgia running back. Jeff Simons, do you know why he was suspended for four games? No idea. But Ben will know because he's an SEC fanatic. Ben, do you know? Not in 2014. No way. I, he, I believe that was a nader for your Tennessee Vols. <laughs> he accepted $3,000 uh, to sign some autographs. And the NCAA said, you can't do that. You're an amateur athlete and you are affecting the purity of the sport. Who told on him? That's the part of this, all these stories. Like what Jagweed paid for an autograph and then turned him in? I think it was a Tennessee fan. Oh, yeah. That's a good turnaround right <laughs> How there. How dare baby. you, Tim Plain? That's How dare you? That's a little softball pitch for you, Tim. Way to hit the ball. <laughs> um, lest you think it was all sunshine and sports in 2014, we, we also had uh, Michael Brown being shot in Ferguson, Missouri, oh. um, what, just a mile away from, from Dred Scott's burial place. We had ISIL terrorizing Iraq as Iraq was trying to get on its feet. The Camp Spiker massacre, speaker massacre happens in 2014. 1,500 cadets for the new Iraqi armed forces are murdered by ISIL terrorists. It's the second deadliest terror attack uh, in history. Awful, awful stuff. What happened to ISIL? We rolled them. I mean, actually, I think the Russians actually rolled them. But uh, they, they basically held a big chunk of Syria and a big chunk of uh, Iraq. And then, but the funny thing is that actually, they, it looked like really big. Like when you drew a map, you were yeah. like, wow, they've got a whole country. And then if you did the population centers for that, it was like they just said Too nothing. <laughs> they literally had like Barstow, California, and Death Valley was what <laughs> they controlled. Yeah. Um. Well, I am glad they are out of the picture. Um, oh, I clarified the uh, Supreme Court case that. Oh, yeah, you totally did. And I looked it up, too. You were completely right. It, it the first one's the Defense Against Marriage Act, and the second one's the, the right to be gay married everywhere. Totally right. right. So one was like the, the first pin falling. Um, yeah, totally. And then, and then uh, it went from there. All right, good stuff. Let's get to the number one album. I feel like this song's appropriate after all that. That was a downer there, buddy. Sorry, it's part of the part of the charm. I can't of the decide whether it's good to start down and go up or start up and go down or maybe go back and forth from sports to ISIL. Like <laughs> the order, the order really matters, man. I'm like, I, know, I don't even sure. know if I can go on, but this song will help. It's the number one album. 1989. By Taylor Swift. The good news is that Todd Gurley got that money. That's right, finally. <laughs> I see I'm too late. Got nothing in my brain. That's what people say. Mm-hmm. That's what people say. Mm-hmm. I go on too many dates. <laughs> but I can't make them stay. At least that's
were your daughters on board with with Taylor going from kind of singer songwriter to full on pop star? Were they thumbs up? Fall of 2014, I moved my entire family to Slovenia. Oh, right. And the we had a turbulent first couple of months. Uh, the weather was terrible. It was just like it was here today, 53 degrees and a hard driving rain every day. It was brutal. <laughs> and India had, was full-time teaching and she hadn't been full-time teaching since, I don't know, 1996 or something. And she had like four new preps at this American school oh, where they wow. were just like, you know, it's one of those sh- uh, shoelace places overseas where they were trying to teach an American curriculum and she's a Princeton grad. And so they were just like, yeah, man, come and just teach everything. (laughs) So it was a very tough fall when this record came out and that song in particular, just, Oh, I can't describe how much we love that song. Oh, good. We played that song over and over again. I consider that song to be, you know, along with, a half dozen other songs, my one of my favorite pop songs of all time. Like, I absolutely love that one. The bass sax and the drum part and the open hi-hat, so fucking great. And I totally agree. I like it so much that I deliberately ripped it off on River Run. And I've been waiting for Ben to figure out. Like, Wait, there's a song on River Run where I stole very deliberately that sax bass part. And put it in the middle of uh, put it in the middle of my own version of that pop song. Wait, now is I that true? Go. Where is it? It's in uh, the second song, "A New Place." In that middle part, that ba 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 When it does that weird keyboard part, there's a sax bass for, that I tried. Sing, I love it. Exactly that sound in the background, and that and that chord progression is a total homage slash lift from "Shake It Off." <laughs> Love it. I love this one. That and I don't understand awesome. people who get mad about it. Like, like, I'm sorry. Like, why would you get mad that your folksy singer songwriters are also capable of writing? Hey, yeah. Part two. Like, that's a value add all the way to the totally. Totally. Good. Good. We're all uh, on the same page there. By the way, Jeff Signs, we didn't we didn't talk about this little nugget. Um, I don't think from from the solo podcast when Ben called Taylor Swift the Bob Dylan of this generation. Yeah, I'm going to let that lie. What the hell? I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to push back on that. She very well might be. It depends on what you mean by the Bob Dylan. Like, is she the most important songwriter to more people than anybody else? She probably is, you know? Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Toulousma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Toulousma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electric acid. Uh, sorry, and Jeff. we're back. And we're back. <laughs> um, oh, this is this will be fun. I I did want to share what the fifty years of music with fifty year old white guys fan club has been up to. These were tweets from May twelfth, 
uh, May 12th. I don't like this record. I love this record. So poignant and touching harmony and voices are amazing and incredible. I'm here for the aggression and the funk and for the dance party and for intensity, sorrow, the death, the black hole at the center. <laughs> that was that was Nina's um, homage to to a Ben Barton description. What do you think, Ben? Oh, dude, just nailed it. That way better, way better and more eloquent than I actually am, for sure. <laughs> I'm gonna say so, so on the now, nose. I I figure she left out Bonnaroo just because it was low hanging fruit. Like this was this was a little bit more sophisticated than just saying I heard them at Bonnaroo. Um, now I'm gonna go to Jeff's next. I don't want to throw shade on this artist. I just don't connect with the art. I mean that. Sorry, drum track was everywhere. I hate those <laughs> I hate those noodly keys, and the lyrics are beyond stupid. But it's not bad. I mean, I don't hate it. <laughs> That's pretty good. By the way, the noodly so good. That's an actual Jeff classic. Is noodly. Um, <laughs> well, well, wait, hey Timmy, do you have a do you have a word like that, like along with noodly? I don't because think... I use the word squirrely in class uh, so much. Yes. That the students quote it back to me on exams. They're like, <laughs> it's quote, kind of squirrely, end quote. Um, that's really funny. I make a big deal about not using the word truly and how awful that word is and overused. And um, so they think it's hilarious when they get back at me and and like put truly in all caps. Uh, I don't like the nice. word thus. I make fun of the word thus so much. Thus. It's like, unless you're a 16th century king, you can use <laughs> therefore like the rest of us. <laughs> um, but Jeff, you are in a particularly weird position on this podcast because the last thing a musical artist wants to do is poo-poo another musical artist's creations. Yeah. And, and yet, gosh I, darn it, you have opinions. I, yeah, I mean, I just have, I've decided that um, uh, really any established artist isn't going to really care what I think. Okay. And, uh, and we're not really slagging uh, unestablished artists. So I'm trying to thread the needle. But you're right. I, there are moments in my head where I'm like, you know, it is hard to make a record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I want to be too much of an asshole about it. But uh, well, I'm glad because I, I was nervous about picking another Garth Brooks album, but I'm glad you said to hear you say that because I Garth got is, a, is a different case altogether. If I believe an artist is cynical from the jump, if they got into art as a way to to do do something else with their lives, I'm oh. uh, I'm more likely to jump. So. All right, and well, don't worry. The 2014 material is the best in Garth Brooks catalog. That's what <laughs> yeah, he's really hitting that his question. Stride. Are you going to go see so, him on this Enormo tour that he's doing, Tim? You're going to I am not. be in section 308, row 17. It, I'm sorry, is Enormo in reference to his physique? What? What's? No, he's playing stadiums. Oh, is he? Okay. But it's helpful that his physique is such <laughs> that you can see him from section 308. Oh, that's hey not called for. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, listen, we're all, we're all committing to getting better shape this summer. Uh, finally, Nina has an attempt 
uh, an impression of me? I don't, I don't get it. It's not, it doesn't sound like me. Um, I don't know much about music like you buy coastal elites. So this year I bought a lottery ticket, matched the numbers to letters of the alphabet. It spelled out an artist and it hit me lyrically. What do you guys think? <laughs> Such a great joke. Such an amazingly good joke. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. When I was first reading it, I was like, I don't know which one this, uh, it's like, being at the poker table, and if you don't know who the sucker is. Oh, yeah. Ah, good stuff, Nina. And uh, and the, the, the growing fan club. All right, let's get to our three albums. Our three albums. Who goes first? Jeff, I'm happy to go first. Yeah, you should go first because uh, we can't see you. It's going to be nice to have your face again, Ben. I'm finding uh, I'm finding a, a little distance in this. Oh, Italy. you miss his oh, That's that nice. makes me sad. It makes me a little sad too. But I'm glad you're in Italy, which is much nicer than not being in Italy. Yeah, indeed. So um, in 2000, well, let's go backwards. In 2000. Killer Mike is launched. His career is launched. Let's go. As a guest rapper on uh, Outcast Records. He does it in 2000, does it again in 2001. He puts out three different solo albums through 2013. And in 2013, he's, he's born in 75. So what's that make him? He's 33. And um, the producer of his third solo record, R.A.P. music is El Producto, who's a white guy from Brooklyn, who's basically the same exact age. So Killer Mike grows up in um, Atlanta. His dad's a police officer, and I, I can't remember what his mom did, uh, but he grows up in, in relatively moder- modest circumstances and is just trying, trying, trying to make it in the rap game. I mean, he's connected to Outkast. He's connected to T.I. He's a major player in the Atlanta scene but just not really able to break through nationally. El Producto, LP, same thing. He, and actually it's humorous. He actually has kind of a rougher upbringing than Killer Mike does. Um, His dad, I can't remember if his dad dies or leaves him and then his stepdad beats up his mom bad enough where he's actually like kicked out and arrested and removed from the house. Um, LP drops out of St. Anne, or kicked out of St. Anne's High School when he's 17. It's a GED, goes on to college and learns music production. And he's like in this uh, alternative rap zone in the 90s. He's got a uh, rap collective called Company Flow. He's got his own record label and he's producing a bunch of stuff. He's also not able to break through. Same year, 2012, he produces Killer Mike's record and he produces his own record. And Mike has such a good good time with the record. He's like, you know what we should do? You got a record coming out. I got a record coming out. Let's go on tour together. So they go on tour together, LP and Killer Mike separately. And then they show up in each other's sets and they're rapping. And they're like, damn, that was a really good time. Fuck it. You know what you should do? We'll go into the studio and we'll just record a record and we'll just put it out. Just the two of us. We'll rap together, just like we did on those two songs. 
So they go into the studio. It's like a nine song, 31 minute record. The first song on the record is called Run the Jewels. And they were like, eh, whatever. Let's call the band that. Like the first song, same thing. Love it. So they put out Run the Jewels as a free album, open to download to anybody. It's a big commercial hit. Not commercial hit. It's a big critical hit. It's a medium-sized commercial hit. And both of these guys are in their 30s, and they've never had a partnership. They've never really been able to hit it. This takes off. They're like, fuck it, man. They go right back into the studio, right on the heels of it, and record Run the Jewels 2. It's a really, really, really interesting record, and the Run the Jewels project is super interesting. Okay, so just to get this out of the way, Killer Mike is by a mile the best rapper in this act. LP is... uh, I would say interesting and good for a white guy, but just can't touch Killer Mike at all. And I'm sure if those dudes were here, like it's clear, like yeah, they'd I, say I the hear same them thing. say it in interviews, they would say the same thing. Like that's not, they're not in competition. Like the Beastie Boys um, and other acts, I mean, Run Run DMC even would have you know would have spats basically over who was better within the the the, the duo or the trio. That's not the situation here at all. Everybody knows that Killer Mike is the better rapper, but ironically. LP is the better producer. Um, and the beats are super interesting. It's not a cut up the soul act. He is not a, he's an okay sampler, but that's not his thing at all. He comes out of the TV on the radio, Cat Power, Brooklyn scene, where he's really into weird sonic stuff. It's like almost industrial style. Um, and somehow the two of them together create this like really secret sauce. So Timmy, I know you chose Reagan from the RAP music. Right. Um, To me, the Killer Mike material, before he gets into Run the Jewels, it's like it's too much Killer Mike. It's too serious. It's too political. Like, he just doesn't, he can't capture it. Um, And and let alone the LP. I love this band enough where I've gone backwards and listened to all of the solo stuff beforehand. Uh And the LP stuff is like, without Mike rapping, and he's even weirder. Like, I think Mike has got a really nice ameliorating effect on him. He's like, okay, we want we want actual beats here, guy. <laughs> we don't want just, like, noise and and, and that. Um, I got a rebuttal back- to that at the end of this, though. I got to jump in. There's one LP song I'm going to ride or die for once we get to the oh, end. Oh, beautiful. I love it. They come back in the studio for Run the Jewels 2, RTJ2, as it's known. Um I'm going to choose, first of all, I love Run the Jewels. I don't like them. I love them. Um, They are very firm that they're not a political act and that they're not public enemy too, but they in fact are the spiritual successors to public enemy. Mike in particular, like if you've seen him on CNN, if you heard him speak after after the Ferguson stuff, like he's just a fantastic, unbelievably awesome spokesperson right and he carries it through in the rap it's it's excellent um this record they put it all together i don't think that there's any single run the jewels record i mean two three and four are all fantastic two three and four all each have songs where i'm like ah, that one wasn't my absolute favorite um that being said two has got my absolute favorite run the jewels song yeah, say Close it again. your eyes and count to fuck. Okay. <laughs> Close your eyes and count to fuck. So I'm happy to say that, that as many that. times as I can. Jeff, just start it at zero, 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 and then end at one at a minute. Run the Jewels 2 by Run the Jewels.
Run them jewels fast, run them, run them jewels fast, run them, run them, run them, run them, run them, run them, fuck the slow mo. Fashion slave, you protested to get in a fucking lookbook. Everything I scribbled like the anarchist cookbook. Look good, posing in a center for the cookbook. Black on black on black, with the ski mask, that is my crookbook. How you like my styling, bruh? Ain't nobody smiling, bruh. About to turn this motherfucker up like Rikers Island, bruh. My fathers and my cripples and my blooders and my brothers. When you niggas gon' unite and kill the police motherfuckers, or take over a jail. Get them CO's hell. The burning of that sofa, goddamn, I love the smell. Like it's the pillow torching, where the fuck the warden? And when you find them, we don't kill them, we just waterboard them We killing them for freedom, cause they tortured us for boredom And even if some good ones die, fuck it, the Lord will sort them we, we out of order, your honor, you out of order this old court is Well, cutting off LP <laughs> The burning of the sofa, goddamn, I love the smell Like that one just kills me Kills me, that's good uh, Jeff, what were we gonna say? Oh, I just like, you know, I don't know much about hip hop, but I love when I can pick up like that Atlanta uh, trail off on the vowel sounds that Killer Mike has going like that at the end of each oh, yeah, line. Totally. Yeah, I just love that. Um, LP has this amazing song called From My Upstairs Neighbor, If You Kill Him, I Won't Tell, which is one of the best songs about domestic violence I've ever heard, where it's a, he's in the hallway of his apartment building and he's hearing this guy beat up his girlfriend in the oh. other apartment, but it's that New York, like you keep your own business. But the whole song is the police have come to his house to investigate him because the guy's dead upstairs. And he's like, who pays attention to noise in Brooklyn? Like, good luck Columbo with the case. But it, on the stairwell, the day before he had stopped and put his hand on her arm and said, if you kill him, I won't tell. And I mean, it's just, it's a Jesus. perfect three minute mini opera and it's it's full of all the things been described just crazy sounds and and weirdness going on but i'm a huge fan of that track not the whole record which is called cancer for cure i think um but ben's right that there's a there's a if if this is your thing then this is the peanut butter meets the chocolate like it's it's deep and it's fun and it's loud and it's groovy and it's got all these different influences really tastefully thrown together. Like as somebody who's not an aficionado of this moment in rap, this jumps right out at me as something a cut above most stuff. Agreed. Agreed. Good stuff, Ben. Go killer, Mike. Jeff, what do you got? I'm going to... Take us to one of the, you know, there's a couple of cities where rock music has just been like born and raised, right? Like New York, Los Angeles, London, Chicago, Seattle, San Francisco. But let's not forget Boston? Halifax, Nova Scotia. Oh, which is where this year's band comes from. I've been waiting a year and a half to get five minutes to talk about uh one of the greatest bands you've never heard of. Now, you guys have heard of them because I have bent your ear off since 1996 about this band. But I think most Americans, and I assume a lot of listeners of this podcast, might not know the Canadian band Sloan. Um, huh. And I'm picking Sloan 
this year for their record Commonwealth. Not, I mean, partly because I think Commonwealth is a very good record, but partly because I cannot let the season two of this podcast go by without talking about these guys. Um, Sloan has been making music as a quartet since 1991. Um, They met in high school uh, up in uh, Halifax. They were, they kind of kicked around in a couple of semi-professional bands. And then this kind of essential quartet got together uh, in 1991 and made a little EP called Peppermint. They got a Canadian record deal. They have been making great records ever since. Um, These four guys all write songs. They all sing lead vocals and they switch instruments depending on whose song it is. So I love when the drummer's singing lead, he moves to guitar and the bass guitarist moves over to the drums and the rhythm guitar player moves over to the bass. When you go see Sloan in concert, it's not just a show. It's also this incredible musical chairs of these guys bouncing around the stage. Since 2006, they've added a fifth touring member who covers keys and percussion because they use a lot of wonderful old like Wurlitzer Fender Rose uh, keyboard sounds as well. Um, I've seen Sloan, I think three times, maybe four times. I can't remember. But the great thing about the sad thing for Sloan is they never broke through in America. So when they tour America, they play very small places. The good news for you is when Sloan comes to your town, they're going to come play a little tiny place okay. and you'll see one of the best bands of the last 30 years with 300 other music fanatics. They kill it live. They have made 12 records uh, since 12 full length records. They also are incredibly prolific. There are two full length compilations of B-sides and tracks for compilations and other things. They have never made a bad record. Um, at the very beginning of their career, they're a little derivative, which is what do you expect? They're 20 years old or something like that when they make Peppermint. The first record, Twice Removed, to me sounds a little too grungy. It sounds a little too imitative of Nirvana and that moment in 1992. But then they swing into their own thing from one chord to another in 1995 through the present day. Sloan is a uh, un- uncharacterizable band. Like sometimes they sound like the great lost seventies funk rock band. Sometimes they sound like a sixties R and B classic band. Sometimes they sound like the great lost new wave punk band. Um, and that's one of the things I love about them. If I had to pick a record to start with, it's probably not Commonwealth, but if you like Commonwealth and you head backwards, you're not going to hit a bad record. Um, And one of the things, again, that's so great is because you have four songwriters and four lead singers, there's a lot of genre hopping and, but not in that way that's obnoxious. Like it's not like you're going to go from like heavy metal to bluegrass and have yourself like these guys worked together incredibly well. Um, They have won the Grammy equivalent in Canada nine times. They've won the album of the year award nine times out of 12 records when they play in Toronto or across Canada, they're playing 10,000 seaters. Um, I think Canadians would describe them as one of the two or three greatest bands in Canadian history. Uh, Rush, Sloan, and then, uh, you know, whoever comes third. 
uh, and they've just they are uh, they're just kind of a ghost wandering through America's rock club. So do yourself a favor. Check out this band. This is my favorite song from Commonwealth. It is a perfect two minute and 40 second song about Cleopatra. Um, it's helpfully called <laughs> Cleopatra. Nice. And uh, I'm going to play you a little bit of it now. Commonwealth by Sloan. Cleopatra, there's a reason she's taking her time Collecting her thoughts like a gallery assembling a new paradigm She turns to the strangers like we all do from time to time Recounting the facts, paying a tax and assessing her own bottom line Could have met upon the set, but it was too late touring this summer they're working on their 13th record which is supposed to come out in september or in october okay so i'm sure hoping i mean these guys are these guys are almost exactly our age right and it's been a quartet with no change in personnel for 32 years they added this one guy 15 years ago and it tells you something about this band that they added a guy 15 years ago and he has stuck with them <laughs> since then as a they bring him in the yeah. studio now. He's a touring musician. He's not officially in the band, but he might as well be. They're really a five piece at this point. But there's something about, um, I mean, they've grown old together. The records are about that. As they get older, the songs are about different things. They're definitely writing to and for one another. It's just, uh, I, uh, I've kind of grown up with this band as well. And, uh, yeah. and I got on early. Like I've been listening to this band carefully for 27 years and wow. they have not made a stinker and i like some more than others and i there have been a couple of records with the back the back half of the record i'm like oh i've kind of heard this song before but then they'll like totally surprise me like this song ends with something called 48 portraits which is um each band member made uh uh was told they all decided we're gonna each make a little song suite Without any input, we're going to record all the instruments ourselves, and then we're going to smush it together. 48 Portraits is a 17 and a half minute track of all of their solo creations, like mixed and wow. fumbled all together. And, and I mean, it doesn't all work, but like, this is not just a band. This is a band that threads the needle between being fun, having ambition like trying new things, but also knowing who they are and what they do well and going back to that well time and time again. I admire the hell out of this band uh, and I love them and I hope uh, people listening will give it a chance. Give Sloan a chance. Ben, what are your thoughts on Sloan? Uh, first, I'm just super happy to hear Jeff make this pick. This is a classic Jeff pick. 
he, yeah. he has been a longtime Sloan fan for sure. Um, and Timmy, I assume you're in the same spot. I've, I've listened to multiple different Sloan records on Jeff's behalf. Not one of those ones where I'm just going to poop all over it. Here's what I'll say about it, though, is um, I find it more uneven than Jeff does. And actually, I didn't even realize that there were four different singers and four different songwriters. Um, but that makes a lot more sense. Um, it's just a little bit of a grab bag. It's like a box of chocolate. So you just don't really know what this is how I experience it. Um, no, and, I could get that. I, you occasionally hit the Whitman sampler chocolate that's like coconut yeah. praline. And you're like, oh, I didn't <laughs> even want this in my mouth. Like there are tracks <laughs> like that on every one of their records. Uh, I got to check them out, though. They sound great. I love any band. I that... love the difference between Ben and Tim. Is yeah. Ben is like, I have listened to multiple Sloan albums on Jeff's behalf. And Tim is like, yeah, I should check these guys out. Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> Jeff sent it to me at some point. Uh, <laughs> but I was really busy. <laughs> had, a lot, had a lot on my plate. <laughs> uh, but I can't, I, any band that like where a guy joins 15 years ago and he, he's still called the new guy. You know, that's. That's pretty cool. Those are, that's a tight crew coming out of Halifax. Yeah. And I mean, I, I like that. Um, I feel like if you, if you, I mean, this would be hard to do now if you're just coming to this band. It's one of these problems with a band like this where I'm like, pick any one of these 12 records and get started. Like right. you're totally frozen. Like you can't really do that. But like they have also, like you can hear in them and their approach to music, the frustrations of the music industry. Like there's a moment when they're on a major label and there's a ton of promotion. And then there's a moment when they lose the record deal and they're their own independent and they can't figure out how to get anybody to pay attention. And now there's the moment where they're like, well, the hell with it. Like we're now we'll make art for art's yeah. sake. And there's a built-in audience and we'll just do our best with that. Like it's really, I feel like you can, you can see where the music industry is based on where Sloan is. And this is, I mean, this is not a tiny band, right? Like a lot of these songs have five or 6 million listens, but for a band that's been around for 31 years, that's actually not that many. Like mm. I have friends yeah, who Jeff, I've never ready? heard of who have a million listens. So they have, they really continue to struggle. And at this point, like being our age, like they don't expect a breakthrough anymore. Right. And they're starting to make the right, they're starting to make records for themselves rather than for a, a marketplace. They have a like identified group of people like us who they know are going to hear it. So I'm actually really hoping that the new record will be a little weird and a little, a little, uh, a little ambitious. That would be awesome. Cool. And this is also, this is a perfect band to go check out on Spotify and just listen to their five most listened songs. Yeah. That Jeff will be like, oh, I disagree. Like those aren't. That's, it's not going to be their five best songs. But sure. like for this sort of thing, it's like it's not about it. Just go ahead and listen to it. You know what I mean? Like you get the idea. Yeah. You know what? I'm looking at them right now, and it, it's perfectly fine. Okay. If you just listen to the top ten, you would know whether or not it's worth crate digging this band or not. But I could. It looks like. A, yeah. Go ahead. It looks like Navy Blues is the most listened to album, right? I think that's right. And then uh, one chord to another is the other one and then my my sneaky favorite is the one from 2003 called action packed um which are the top three in spotify like and i think you could probably drop the needle anywhere in any one of those records and listen for 10 minutes and have a pretty good sense but i think i could make a mixtape of my 10 favorite sloan songs that would be 
I mean, that, that, that listening experience for me would rival most bands, wow. not all bands. Like there's still a pantheon I'd enjoy more, but I would really love that mix of 10 a whole lot. I, uh, I forgot to tell you guys, um, or we forgot to talk about, it. I saw Bell and Sebastian this week. Um, nice. How they treat you. They were great. They were great. They're super late, uh, getting out there. Um, you know, the, the woman who sings with them and plays fiddle, she got COVID right before they left Scotland. So they had a replacement, but then they lost their uh, trumpet player. So they, <laughs> it's, a, it's not easy finding a trumpet player in Western North Carolina, but this guy named Tim from Morganton, North Carolina, who they introduced, you know, he sat, he sat there and had the book open the whole time doing the songs. Uh, <laughs> Bell and Sebastian have a few songs with the trumpet. So um they're about an hour and a half late getting on the stage they were super apologetic uh but they uh they played and it was great it was great seeing live music that's that's the key nice hey uh, have you heard of a guy named mj lenderman no he's an Asheville, north carolina guy who just got the uh best new music uh review on pitchforks so he's about to blow up wait and i was uh, curious to know if you had heard of him my doctor is mark lenderman um <laughs> Well, I really hope it's his kid. Yeah, they I call really hope that's what a small uh, town Asheville is. That would be the greatest. Uh, PJ Lenderman, MJ, MJ, MJ Lenderman. All right, could be my doctor's son. Then that's fun. All right, um, Jeff, uh, I'll explain in a second. Could you cue up for me? Ain't no mountain high enough by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, and I would like to start it at. Oh my God! Minute. Uh, one minute and 12 seconds. So we can get to the moment that you once described to me as the greatest woo in music. Oh, yeah. This is the greatest woo of all time. Here we go. Oh, that's a good one what a great great moment in uh in music there marvin gay reacting to tammy terrell and this song anchors what i think is the best album of the year the guardians of the galaxy soundtrack oh my god oh awesome. timmy well, i've never done a greatest hits album so there there art thou happy uh but i already picked jenny lewis i couldn't pick her again and listen this soundtrack Hooked on a Feeling, Fooled Around and Fell in Love by Elvin Bishop. It's God, I Want You Back, a song that was chosen as a song of the year in season one. And, and, Ooh Child, another song that was picked by the Five Stair Steps. And if you could play just 30 seconds of 10 CCs, I'm Not in Love. (laughs) Yeah, I could do that. The Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Has a very slow build, 10CC. Here it comes. Slow build. I get what you did there. 
This is the keyboard sound that makes uh, the fillings in Ben's teeth ache, though. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. This is it, that like, that, like uh, Fender Rhodes through a Leslie speaker. I can hear John Ritter entering a Regal Beagle as we uh, <laughs> listen to this. I'm not in love, so don't forget it. Did either of you watch the soap opera Santa Barbara? No. With a no, young Robin Wright? Oh, telling you, man. I, I forgot she, you had a soap opera mini moment. Every time she came on the screen, 10cc would play in the background. I'm like, I don't know how they got the rights to that song. but 10cc is such a weird band. They're such I, a weird band. They had so many weird, huge hits. Because they did the things we do for love. Oh, did Remember they? Remember that one? Yeah, of course. It's just such a cheesy Well, ass. also on the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack was Cherry Bomb featuring 1970s uh, supergroup. What, what, what are they called? The Runaways. The Runaways. Oh, what, a, what an album, gentlemen. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie. I really liked the movie. And it really set the stage for the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 soundtrack. Yes. It's not a bad soundtrack, you'll be, too. You'll be choosing in 2017, right? <laughs> we could actually have a great conversation about this, about what the best soundtrack is. Oh, this actually, wouldn't be I in my top. Thinking we should do that. We should have a, a uh, best soundtrack album argument. Yeah, huh. totally. And now I gotta We'd think. have to remove Saturday Night Fever, though. That one's too... That's too easy, yeah. No, it has to be yeah. like a compilation soundtrack. Right. Oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah. By the yeah. way, Ben, the um, Flannery was watching Mamma Mia the other day, and that Meryl Streep singing is just awesome. Isn't it the greatest? <laughs> I am Meryl the girls. Street. The girls watch like we're. I'm here with like college age girls and uh, their best friend who just graduated college, and they rewatched Mamma Mia last night, and it's Mamma Mia too tonight. Oh, They're right. Just still doing it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's but so yeah, no. It's so charming. It's so amazingly charming. I believe Mamma Mia 2 has a, a guest appearance from Cher. I didn't see it. Yes. Mamma Mia 2 is so much worse than Mamma Mia 1. Mamma Mia <laughs> 1 is hard to imagine. <laughs> no, Mamma Mia 1 is great. Oh, man. Um, we also have a new double Wilco album to oh. prematurely review. Premature. Uh... Wait, when does that come out? Is it out? It's already yeah. out, Mr. Italy. I actually watched... They played their Solid Sound Festival this weekend, and Friday night they played Cruel Country front to back in, in sequence as the main set. Wow. They just came out and played their entire new record start to finish. Was Con um, Conway Twitty there? Uh, Conway Twitty was not there. Any other country artists come out? For it's not really a country. I mean, like, spoiler alert, and not to be a big surprise, it is not a country record by any Phew. stretch, but... Uh, but I'm really interested to see uh, what you all think of it once you've had a chance to listen to it. All right, let's let's meet back here in 2015, and we'll all have listened to it. I just can't imagine. Like, I don't think a double Wilco album can come out on this podcast without at least talking about it yeah. a little bit. That just seems like burying the lead for the three of us. So I think that's true. Ben, when do you get home? Uh, be home late Thursday. Late Thursday. Well, that is so exciting. 
So on your flight, you can listen to the entire double album. This is perfect. For sure. That's the plan. Oh. <laughs> All right. It's like being there. It actually would have fit on a single CD. It's about 76 minutes long. Um, but they broke it up into uh, two manageable chunks. Okay. So. Well, I'll tell you, I, I hope to be here uh, in the, in the uh, next week. There's a possibility if the Celtics lose that I will be in a hole somewhere. I'm just going to dig a hole on campus and just live in it for a month. So they... as a Warriors fan, I'm having as, as a spectacular rest... week. It's yeah. been really amazing. No anxiety. Um, obviously, we would prefer to play the Heat because we will sweep or gentlemen sweep the Heat, no question. But I kind of am rooting for the Celtics just for the joy of a Tim versus Jeff NBA Finals, Let's which I it. think will be unbelievably fun. Uh, so, a lot of stress. But I do not know what's wrong with your Boston Celtics. You are, that is the weirdest team <laughs> in the NBA. Like they can't, they look like the best team in the league and then they can't dribble for like six uh, yeah. minutes. Like, this I mean, literally, like correct. they are dribbling the ball into the arms of defenders. Like, I just don't even understand. This is correct. Yep. All right. Well, good talking to you. All <laughs> well, I am rooting for you tonight, Timmy. I mean, uh, I, I think a Celtics Warriors NBA finals would be fun, really fun for us. Fun time. All right. Ben Barton, safe travels home. Indeed. And we'll be all together. I'll be on video. We'll be able to see each other. It'll be good. We'll be back. Really again. Great. And, and I hope, I hope listeners appreciate that Ben has created two podcasts from Italy, like on his phone, like the commitment, the commitment trophy for 2022. Yeah. Uh, I am definitely in third place because Tim is running this uh, thing and Ben is, is coming in from 10,000 miles away. And I'm like, yeah, whatever noon works. I, so I, I am a bronze medalist. I will change my MVP boat. Um, all right. Talk to you guys later. Be safe, later friends. on fellas. Take care. Hey, what's happening out there, everybody? This is Lawrence Ross, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my podcast, The Lawrence Ross Show. Egomaniac. It's a two-hour weekly exploration into my mind. I also do sketches, celebrity impersonations. You're out of order! And I also do song parodies. Not too shabby for a blind guy. Not only are you visually impaired, but you are geographically impaired. New episodes are released every Friday. Check it out on your favorite podcasting platform, or listen to it here on Society 13 on Electrocast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid. Electric acid.